Good morning, fellow in Christ. Today reading scriptures is came from John chapter 18, verse 28, until John chapter 19, verse 16. Then the Jewish leader took Jesus from Caiaphas to the palace of the Roman governor. By now it was early morning, and to avoid ceremonial uncleanness, they did not enter the palace because they wanted to be able to eat the Passover. So Pilate came out to them and asked, What charge are you bringing against this man? If he were not a criminal, they replied, we would not have handed him over to you. Pilate said, take him yourself and judge him by your own law. But we have no right to execute anyone, they objected. This took place to fulfill what Jesus had said about the kind of death he was going to die. Pilate then went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus and asked him, are you the king of the Jews? Is that your own idea, Jesus asked, or did other talks to you about me? Am I a Jew? Pilate replied. Your own people and chief priests handed you over to me. What is it you have done? Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servant would fight to prevent prevent my arrest by the Jewish leader. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listen to me. What is truth? retorted Pilate. With this, he went out again to the Jews, gathered there, and said, I find no basis for a charge against him. But it is your custom for me to release to you one prisoner at the time of the Passover. Do you want me to release the king of the Jews? They shouted back, No, not him. Give us Barabbas. Now Barabbas has taken part in an uprising. Then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. The soldiers twisted together a crown of thorn and put it on his head. They clothed him in a purple robe and went up to him again and again, saying, Hail, King of the Jews! And they slapped him in the face. One more Pilate came out and said to the Jews gathered there, Look! I am bringing him out to you to let you know that I am no basis for a charge against him. When Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorn and the purple robe, Pilate said to them, Here is the man. As soon as the chief priests and their officials saw him, they shouted, Crucify! Crucify! But Pilate answered, You take him and crucify him. As for me, I find no basis for a charge against him. The Jewish leader insisted, We have a law, and according to that law, he must die, because he claimed to be the Son of God. When Pilate heard this, he was even more afraid, and he went back inside the palace. Where do you come from? He asked Jesus, but Jesus gave him no answer. 
Do you refuse to speak to me? Pilate said. Don't you realize I have power either to free you or to crucify you? Jesus answered, You would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. From then on, Pilate tried to set Jesus free, but the Jewish leader kept shouting, If you let this man go, you are no friend of Caesar. Anyone who claims to be a king opposes Caesar. When Pilate heard this, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judge's seat at a place known as the Stone Pavement, which in Aramaic is Gabata. It was the day of preparation of the Passover. It was about noon. Here is your king, Pilate said to the Jews. But they shouted, Take him away, take him away, crucify him. Shall I crucify your king? Pilate asked. We have no king but Caesar, the chief priest answered. Finally, Pilate handed him over to them to be crucified. Thank you, Ernie. And leave your Bible open. We're going to be going through this passage. As you know, we've been going through the book of John. And uh, we're here in chapter 18 and chapter 19. And uh, how many have ever uh, recited like the Apostles' Creed? Yeah. And then there's another one called the Nicene Creed. And within that creed, it says, crucified under who? Pontius Pilate. Or it says, suffered under Pontius Pilate. I want you to remember that. I think the only question, really, that matters in life is this. What will you do with Jesus? And that's what Pilate was faced with. All four gospel writers record the trial of Jesus before Pilate. And today, I want to confine our thinking to what John has to say, because John seems to give us a more extended account. And so today I want us all to take our places really as spectators at the trial of, not of Jesus, but of Pilate. (laughs) Because if you read the gospel writers correctly, they make it abundantly clear that Jesus was not on trial here, but Pilate was on trial. And that Jesus was not trying to escape, but Pilate was. And please look at John 18, 28 as we begin. Then the Jews led Jesus from Caiaphas to the palace of the Roman governor. By now it was early morning, and to avoid ceremonial uncleanness, the Jews did not enter the palace. They wanted to be able to eat the Passover. And so these were religious rulers. And what they did was to meet that morning and to make legal the illegal action of the night before because the Mosaic law said no trial was to begin and end on the same day and no trial was to be conducted at nighttime. And so they met the next morning. Having decided upon the death of Jesus, they had to get permission from the Roman authorities. And so they took him to the judgment hall, sometimes called Herod's palace. We kind of saw where that was when we were in Israel just a few months ago. That is evidently where Pilate came. And now there was a judgment hall in front. And there was a judgment hall on the inside. And it was called the Praetorium. And the scene kind of alternates back 
and forth, from the inside to the outside, from the inside to the outside, seven times. Because old Pilate was on a hot seat. And back and forth, from the outside before the mob to the inside before Jesus. He'll go back and forth in order to try to escape making a decision. So first, the outside, verse 29. Look at verse 29 of John 18. So Pilate came out to them and asked, what charges are you bringing against this man? You know, the people couldn't come in. I mean, it was Passover season, and they couldn't go into a hall of a Gentile or come near, and so Pilate comes out to them. And you hear him say, what charges are you bringing against this man? And that's a legal phrase. I mean, what did he do? I mean, you've disturbed me having me come out to you. What's the charge against this man? Pilate is saying, why did you bring him to me in the first place? Now look at verse 30. If he were not a criminal, they replied, we would not have handed him over to you. So Pilate discovers the charge is more serious than he thought, that these men vowed the death of Jesus, and they would not leave until they got that sentence handed down. And then look at verse 31. Pilate said, take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. But we have no right to execute anyone, the Jews objected. Pilate is saying, I don't want this case. You know, handle it yourselves. But then they asked for the death penalty. And he knew it was more serious than he ever dreamed it could be. And they were asking for the verdict of death. And they were not asking him to investigate anything. They've already done that. Notice Pilate, this Roman, will have to make a decision. And he's going to do it because the Lord Jesus is still in charge, even though he's arrested. And it will be according to his word. Listen to what John records. Verse 32. This happened so that the words that Jesus had spoken, indicated the, indicating the kind of death he was going to die, would be fulfilled. He must die on a Roman cross. He had said it. David had said it. The prophets had said it. The Old Testament had said it. He's the Lamb of God, slain before the foundation of the world. Pilate will have to decide. Now we go inside. Verse 33. Pilate then went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus and asked him, are you the king of the Jews? Pilate confronts Jesus for the first time. Jesus is standing before Pilate. Roman Majesty and might are vested in Pilate, and Pilate has to decide what he is going to do with Jesus. What's the point in question? Well, let's be specific. This is to be a legal court. Is Jesus a king or isn't he a king? Is he actually leading a rebellion against Caesar? I mean, that's the question, and it seems so ridiculous that this, like, poor helpless man standing before Pilate could possibly be a king or interfere with Rome at all. And our translation doesn't quite give the full impact of the the Greek language here. The emphasis is on that pronoun you. So it's like this. Are you the king of the Jews? I mean, you? I mean, you've got to be kidding. It can't be. All you have to do is deny it and we'll go back out there and tell them and the case is over and I can go back to my breakfast. It's not that easy. You do not dismiss Jesus like that. You are the king of the Jews? 
I think our Lord's answer to Pilate is one of the most majestic things that he ever said. Look at verse 34. Is that your own idea? Jesus asked, or did others talk to you about me? Our Lord is, I think, making this man face up to his responsibility. He says, you ask me if I'm a king specifically. Am I the king of the Jews? Is this the result of your own investigation? Is this the evidence that you have? Or are you really poly parrot pirate, the pilot? Are you just repeating something that's been said to you? Now that's enough to make a man think. Is this something you've come to by your own thinking, or are you just repeating something? And I tell you, it made Pilate kind of angry. If you look at verse 35, am I a Jew? Pilate replied, it was your people and your chief priests who handed you over to me. What is it that you've done? Now isn't that some question for a judge to ask? I mean, a judge should have the evidence brought in. Uh, you don't ask the prisoner, hey, did you really kill him? Or didn't you kill him? Did you really steal? Or didn't you steal it? Are you really guilty or are you not guilty? Of course the man will say not guilty. Produce the goods. Show the fingerprints. Bring in the evidence. That's what you should do. Pilate's mad. Notice the response of Jesus and the emphasis on the personal pronoun, my. In verse 36, Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jews. But now, my kingdom is from another place. I mean, that is an amazing answer. My kingdom is not built on this world's political system. I don't go before the public and I'm voted on. My kingdom is not of this world. My kingdom is contrary to this world. My kingdom will not be established by the method that you think it will. I will not need Rome to help me. I will not need the religious rulers to help me. I will not need the United Nations to help me. I do not intend to use the platform of the Republican Party or the Democratic Party. They will not establish my kingdom on earth. And it's time Christians down here realize that and learn that. Now, I'm not against Christians being involved in politics. Not at all. We're the salt of the earth, for crying out loud. We're supposed to be the light of the world. What I'm saying is that Jesus Christ is coming back, and he will set up his kingdom by his own mighty power, and he shall reign forever and ever. And that kingdom starts in the hearts of those who believe. The rule of God in our hearts and there Jesus stands in peasant's clothes before the purple and the power of Rome. We look back now with the perspective of some 2,000 years, don't we? And the Roman Empire is gone. It's gone. In spite of everything, the gospel of Jesus Christ continues to be preached. And thank you, Kathy, for Letting us know what Awana is doing in countries that don't have a chance to hear the gospel. It's still being preached. Notice verse 37. You are a king then, said Pilate. 
Jesus answered, you're right in saying I'm a king. In fact, for this reason I was born, and for this reason I came into the world, to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. Now, this man, Jesus, says he's a king. (laughs) He was born a king, and he'll come to power in his way and in his method, and he's come to bear witness to the truth, and Pilate hears that, and here's the reaction in verse 38. What is truth, Pilate asked. What is truth? Now, that's the first crisis, I think, of his life. When he asked that question, some say Pilate was just kind of uh, jesting, you know, when he asked that question. I don't think that man was ever more serious. He asked it kind of cynically and perhaps maybe in a little sarcastic way, but he's serious when he says it. Pilate was living in this world honeycombed, really, with hypocrisy, much like our world today. The political, the social, the religious. And this man, Pilate, as he looked out over his world, could say, what is truth anyway? And we, be, we can become very cynical when we look at our world, can't we? We've all seen and we heard about political liars and these social climbers and the religious phonies. But we've also seen the honest person We've seen the genuine Christian born again of the Spirit of God, and we've we've also seen those who claim to be, and we look at our world, and sometimes we want to say with Pilate, what is truth? And you can be very cynical today looking at our world, especially in the heat of the abortion battle, and the Supreme Court legalizing across the board gay marriage What is the truth about marriage? The United Methodist Church is dealing with this issue right now. What is the truth? Does truth change? Somehow I sympathize with Pilate, but he's facing a crisis, and it's the crisis of his life, and he's already decided on a very clever way of making a decision about Jesus. Notice the end of verse 38. With this, he went out again to the Jews. And he said, I find no basis for a charge against him. He went out again. He's on a hot seat. He's going back and forth, back and forth. He can't stay in one place. And when he said that, he's, when he said that he's saying this, not guilty. This man is not guilty of the charges that you brought against him. You say, He's trying to overthrow Caesar? He's not, and I find no fault in him. Charges dismissed. And if he'd been an honest man and not a compromising politician, he would have let Jesus go right at that moment. And if you're not guilty, the court has no right to lay hands on you, right? But Pilate did something, and I think he did something rotten, because he was not yet willing to make a decision. Verse 39, but it is your own, it is your custom for me to release to you one prisoner at the time of the Passover. Do you want me to release the king of the Jews? The other gospel writers tell us that he confined it to two. He took the worst one, he took the best one that he had, and he said either Barabbas or Jesus. Then verse 40, 
They shouted back, no, not him. Give us Barabbas. Now, Barabbas had taken part in a rebellion. He returns to the inside again. In verse 19, or chapter 19, verse 1, then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. That is unbelievable. He's not guilty and you scourge him? He's not guilty and you have him flogged? That's crazy. Look at verse 2 and 3 of chapter 19. The the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head. They clothed him in a purple robe and went up to him again and again saying, Hail the king of the Jews. And they struck him in the face. Now when you put the four gospels together, and knowing Rome and knowing a little bit of history, the soldiers were playing a game called hot hand. And the Roman soldier would take his big bare knuckles and hold them right up in front of the face of the prisoners and then they'd blindfold the man. And then somebody hits him, I mean really hits him and knocks him out. And when they bring him to, they take the blindfold off and they all hold their fists in front of his face and they say, who hit you? The funny thing is, no prisoner was ever able to guess the right one because even if he did, the game went on and on and on went the game until Jesus, Isaiah 53 says, he didn't even look like a man. When they brought him out before the people, he did not look like a man. They had beaten him to a pulp. I think the pictures of Jesus are much too kind. They crowned him with thorns, put a purple robe on him in mockery because of the charge. He's a king. And they were to look at him and to see how, you know, ridiculous it is. And don't you see what Pilate's trying to do? He's trying not to put Jesus to death. He wants to satisfy uh, the mob, the uproar of the mob. And he thinks if he beats him up and takes him out, somehow he'll get the sympathy of the mob and, and they'll say, now let him go. And Pilate was moved by the mob. He was not moved by justice. He was not moved by truth. He was not moved by righteousness. Pilate's not off the hook here. I mean, look at verse four. Once more, Pilate came out and said to the Jews, So here he comes out again. Look, I'm bringing him out to you to let you know that I find no basis for a charge against him. Then why beat him up? Why beat him up? Verse 5, when Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, Pilate said to him, here is the man. Some versions say, behold the man. He had to look at him too. And then verse 6, as soon as the chief priests and their officials saw him, they shouted, crucify, crucify. So appealing to compassion, Pilate has now failed. It was the religious leaders that yelled, crucify him. It was religion that crucified Jesus. Religion damns people. It always has. It always will. Christianity is not religion. Christianity is a person, and that person is Christ. Either you have him or you don't. Now, Pilate would like to get off the hook. Look at verse 6 of chapter 19, 6 and 7. Pilate answered, you take him. You, You take him and crucify him. As for me, I find no basis for a charge against him. The Jews insisted, we have a law, and according to that law, he must die because he claimed to be the Son of God. Now, they had not brought that up before. And then verse 8, 
When Pilate had heard this, he was even more afraid. And inside we go again. Going back inside, verses 9 and 10. And he went back inside the palace. Where do you come from? He asked Jesus. But Jesus gave him no answer. Do you refuse to speak to me? Pilate said, don't you realize I have the power either to free you or to crucify you? And now listen to our Lord um, in verses 11 and 12. Jesus answered, you would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. From then on, Pilate tried to set Jesus free, but the Jews kept shouting, if you let this man go, you are no friend of Caesar. Anyone who claims to be a king opposes Caesar. They had to bow to Caesar to get the verdict of death. And I think here is humankind going to the lowest, religion bowing to Caesar. Hmm. And Caesar playing politics with a man's life. And that man is the son of God, and Pilate's going to compromise. Outside we go for the last time. Verses 13 to 15. When Pilate had heard this, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judge's seat at a place known as the stone pavement, which in Aramaic is Gabbatha. It was the day of preparation of Passover week, about the sixth hour. Here is your king, Pilate said to the Jews. But they shouted, take him away. Take him away. Crucify him. Shall I crucify your king, Pilate asked? We have no king but Caesar, the chief priest answered. Then Pilate did something, and John doesn't tell us about it. You have to go to Matthew 27, 24. When Pilate finally saw that he couldn't get off the hook, that he's at this great fork in the road, this great crossroads, either he has to do his duty and, he, or, and, and do the right thing, but he's never done that. He's always done things for his own interests, for that which would help him. He was a corrupt politician. Philo, a writer of the Jews, a secular historian of the day, can find not one good thing to say about Pilate. Not one good thing. Pilate was forced to decide, and he makes his decision. In Matthew 27, 24, it says, he called for a basin of water and he washed his hands I'll have nothing to do with him. What irony. The oldest creed in the church, what does it say? Suffered under Pontius Pilate. Crucified under Pontius Pilate. He didn't escape, and neither can you. Not one of us can escape. He had to make a decision, and so must you. He couldn't compromise. He had to be responsible for the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, and the message of the trial of Pilate is this. The man who washes his hands down here has no place to hide. Why not investigate Jesus for real? We investigate everything else in life. You know, we got Google. <laughs> Google it. And if Pilate would not have been a conniving politician and faced up to it and answered the question, what is truth, he would have found out that truth was standing right in front of him. 
Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. And people say, well, that's pretty dogmatic. You bet it is. You know, my first grade teacher, she was dogmatic too. You know what she said? She told me that two plus two equals four. That's what she said. And she insisted on it. Yeah. And she was so dogmatic about it. Two plus two equals four. It doesn't equal three. It doesn't equal five. She was narrow-minded about this. And friends, truth is always dogmatic. I know we have to speak the truth in love, but I'm telling you, truth is always dogmatic, whether you like it or not. You have to answer, and we are all on the hot seat. And it would be easy to say, I can just wash my hands, saying I'll have nothing to do with Jesus. Yes, you will. Yes, you will. And in that day, Jesus stood before Pilate, and I always say, but there's coming a day when Pilate is going to stand before Jesus, and so will you. And you have to decide whether he's the truth or not. You have to decide uh, whether he's the truth or not, and when you decide he's the truth, then you can answer the question, what shall we do with Jesus, who is called the Christ? Would you bow your heads with me? Maybe some of you have been coming to church uh, for a long time, but you've never really said yes to, to Christ. You've just kind of always been washing your hands and just kind of hanging in there, but not being fully committed, not making that decision uh, in repentance and turning uh, to Christ and saying, Jesus, you're my only hope. You're the one that died for my sins. And I want to give you a chance uh, today to make that decision, the one that Pilate did not make. And you can say something like this, you know, God, I am so sorry. I have sinned against you. Lord, there's things that I have not done that I should do, and there's things that I've done that I shouldn't do. Lord, I've trespassed. I've stepped across the line. Lord, I've broken your holy law. But Lord, I believe that you came for me on a rescue mission that we were singing about today, that love came down. You came down and you demonstrated your love for me and that while I was still a sinner, Jesus, you died for me. And I just choose to believe that, Lord. And I wanna turn away from my own way and I wanna go your way. I don't wanna go the world's way. I don't wanna let the world squeeze me into its mold. And I just say, please, Lord Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my sin and give me the strength and the power through the Holy Spirit to live for you and to become more like you. Thank you for the gospel, Lord, that this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life. This life is in his son. He who has the son has life. He who does not have the son of God does not have life. And if you've never made that decision for Christ, I hope you did today to accept Christ. You need to do that. Do not wash your hands like Pilate. Oh, I'm not against Jesus, Dave. That sounds like something Pilate would say. The question we must ask is this. Have I made an intentional, conscience decision to receive Jesus Christ 
as Savior and Lord. Lord, I pray that you would seal any commitments that have been made today. Seal them by the power of your Holy Spirit. And Lord, I thank you for a chance to receive an offering. Lord, this isn't something that we just choose to do outside of a worship service because giving is part of worship. Lord, I thank you that you call us to bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, to bring our offerings and to lay them at your feet and to recognize that you are the giver of all things. And Lord, as we bring to you the tithe and our offerings, Lord, I pray that each heart would be bending before you and it would be truly an act of worship. So Lord, give us grace to worship you during this offering time. In Jesus' name, amen. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe whatever Jesus has commanded. And remember, he's with you always, even to the very end of the age. Amen? Amen. Amen.